Hey everyone, happy Friday. It's podcast day. Welcome to the Citizens Advisory Podcast presented by the Citizens Advisory of Pennsylvania. I'm Jess Stalnecker, Executive Director. I am bo- I'm joined by Ben Herring, um, Vice President of our organization, and he's also the chair of our law and strategy committee. And I and I like to say also he is our RTK guru. RTK stands for right to know. Um, and that's our topic for today. Um, basically, the right to know law in Pennsylvania is a law designed to guarantee that all citizens have access to records that are deemed public. Um, there is a process involved. There's a trick to the process. Um, in obtaining those records. And so today, Ben is going to help us understand the anatomy of a right to know request, which is something that I know will be very valuable to our listeners. So thanks, Ben, for joining us today. Well, thank you. Happy to be here on podcast day. It's over 90 outside here. So it's, it's nice. It's full day after work. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so if you're watching this, you're probably already intrigued or curious as to this whole right to know law process, Sunshine Act, all that good stuff. We've been at this for, geez, almost two years. So, you know, through repetition, you learn a lot. You learn a ton about this process and how kind of jaded it is towards the regular citizen. I'm sure a lot of people out there have already experienced that too. So uh, the purpose of today is really to get into the kind of the mechanism that's that's out there for us to use. How do we use that to our advantage? What are some of the tips, um, techniques, and procedures um, to get the information that you want? And I think we have a pretty good grasp on all that. Like I said, Jess, for about two years we've been doing this. So there are some good examples that I'm going to show today. Uh, so if you need reading glasses like me, you're getting old like I am, you might want to throw them on because up on the screen, here in a little bit, we're going to talk or we're going to show some examples of good RTKs and bad RTKs. And of course, the tricks that come along with getting the information that you want. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. So first, maybe we need to start with something that you could probably help us with, which is like what constitutes a public record, right? And then maybe explain briefly what a right to know request is and how to file one. Sure, absolutely. So you, you think of it very, very basic and generic. If a state or local governmental agency is using taxpayer funds, ding, 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 there's that word again, um, they're subject to the right to know law. So if they're making transactions with our funding that we're giving them, um, clearly that would be something that would be subject to the right to know law. So first, let's talk about who is covered under the right to know law. So it's going to be any of your, again, local and state um, agencies. So for the local, we're talking municipalities, counties, school districts, police department, or any other taxpayer-funded authorities in the area. Um, From a Commonwealth perspective, you're talking um, any Commonwealth department. You know, like, let's talk about what we we, um, discussed during House Bill 300, that Human Relations Commission. They would be subject to the right to know law because they're a commission that is sanctioned by the General Assembly. They use taxpayer funds. How about the, the governor's office? Of Ed. How about the department yeah. of Ed? Absolutely. Yeah. Depart any department. Yep. Any okay. any, any cabinet department. department within the Commonwealth. Yep. Okay. Governor's office, auditor general, treasurer, attorney general, um, community colleges. Okay. Again, it, it's it's very wide ranging because it's anybody that receives any taxpayer money at the Commonwealth, state level, or at the local level. Okay. 
So that's who's covered by it. Now, a very, very important thing, and I'll read verbatim here because I want people to understand the exact terminology. And this is right off of the Office of Open Records. You know, they 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 distribute a lot, lot of good literature that's out there. So if you just Google Pennsylvania Office of Open Records, you'll find a treasure trove of information that you can look into. Um, and they even give some some guidance to citizens. There is a citizen's guide to the right to know. Um, but it, but again, a very basic, um, you know, understanding of the right to know law is a record. It's a record, right? So when you go after or you write to know any agency, you're going for a record quote. And a record is defined as, as any information, regardless of its physical form or character that documents a transaction or activity of an agency and is created, received, or retained pursuant to law or in connection with a transaction, business, excuse me, or activity of an agency. So let's kind of pull that one apart. So regardless of physical form basically means it could be a, you know, you're passing a note like you were back in elementary school. Right. Um, it could be you're sending an email. It could be a text message. It, it doesn't the 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 right to know law and the also open records they don't dictate between what media you're using. Okay. That you so when you when we'll we'll talk more about that when we get into the anatomy of an RTK, but just on its surface, when you're asking for something, you just want to make sure it's a transaction or an activity of a government agency. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So easy stuff would be that um, school district X decided to enter into a contract with cleaner Joe that clearly would be, you know, under the right to know law accessible to the public because it's a transaction. Right. That so is a exchange of funds. Yep. Absolutely. So right. in basic terms, that's, that's what you can write to know. Awesome. Um, so how do we go about filing one? So every agency, everybody that we just talked about, um, they're actually mandated by law to have a right to know officer okay. or an area open records officer, A-O-R-O. -O. So the easiest thing to do is to go, if you're talking a local school district, just go to the website. If you have a little search bar up top, type. Uh oh, Ben, did we lose you? Can you hear me now? Oh, you're back. You're back. You're back. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. Oh, it, and it just told me my internet connection is unstable. Oh, good. That's unstable. Kind of <laughs> like Joe Biden. So, um, so what was I saying? Where was I at? Where'd you lose me? You were talking about the office, the um, open records officer. Okay. On so the website, easiest, website. Mm -hmm. yep, easiest thing to do, go to your local governmental agency website. They should list it there. You should be able to find it pretty easily. Worst case scenario, again, if you go to the Office of Open Records, their website, you can actually search the entire database for who the okay. open records officer is okay. for the agency that you're looking to get answers from. Okay. Um, and then is there like a link that you fill out a form? basic form to a yeah, right yes yep 100 so once you know exactly who you want to submit a right to know for and here's kind of an important part too because 
when I submitted an RTK to Luzerne County, they gave me a completely different form as the standard form. Many, many folks, you know, probably seen the standard RTK form. Yes. That is the one that's supposed to be used throughout the entire Commonwealth for any RTKs. However, some local entities decided to make their own forms. Okay. So it is important. It's not legally or, or mechanism wise. It's not super important. If you don't use their form, you're still getting the information requests submitted to them. Um, but obviously if they have a form, you can find it easily. Just use their form to make things a lot easier. Okay. But yeah, it's, and it's simple stuff. It's, it's basically your name, your address, phone number to be reached if need be by the appeals officer or excuse me, by the right to know officer at this time. And, um, and then you, you know, you usually have a free text area where you submit exactly what documents you're looking to get. Awesome. Okay. So, so I think that it's important before you get into the ins and outs here um, to just talk a little bit about our track record. And when I say our, I really mean your, because you are the one who files most of the right to knows on behalf of our organization um, and at least works on them wording wise and things like that. So we have a pretty good track record with right to know. So what's like the average, what can we expect if we're just a normal citizen, we're filing a right to know, like how many of those, what's the percentage that will be, you know, fulfilled we would get our request and how many are mm -hmm. denied? Like what's the percentage? Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners would attest to this as well. Um, I'm, I already know a lot of them that we've spoken to as an organization that have unfortunately been denied a lot. Right. So the numbers are not good. Uh, traditionally you're talking about 14.6 ish percent of right to know requests um, get granted and the information given to the, the folks that are asking for it, which is extremely low. Yeah. And on appeal, uh, the numbers are kind of the same, right in that same area. So you're talking 10 to 20%. Yeah. 10 to 20% of people that submit right to knows get the information that they're looking for. That's it is a shame. And that's why I said it's very jaded against the you know taxpayer because they will try anything in their power to to not release the information to you for whatever reason. It's it's almost like you know systemic across the board. All these agencies kind of work together to make sure that it almost seems like they're talking, right? Like, oh, use this so you don't have to produce that record to this guy. Right. It's crazy. So 10 to 20%, 20 tops of folks that get what they're looking for. Now we, because we have a little strategy that we've crafted and we're not going to give too much of that away on this, uh, which will be on YouTube and I'm sure shared with people that don't agree with us. Right. However, uh, once we kick off our membership and we have, you know, vetted members to, of our group that go through the whole process, we're going to start having seminars and we're going to start, you know, having one-on-one -on -one conversations about information that we're going to get. So we're fortunate right now. Our track record is over 50%. We've been able to submit RTKs within the parameters of, of the way they crafted the law. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to get more than 50% of the information back that we're asking for. There's definitely a strategy to it. I'm not going to lie. We're going to go through a little bit of it today. Um, but there is definitely tricks. We're not giving away the whole ranch. That's for our members. No. Um, but I mean, I think it is important just to understand the anatomy and um, you know, a good right to know versus a not so good right to know what your chances are, kind of that kind of thing. So um, Ben's going to share his screen 
And he's going to share a couple examples with our audience so that, and if you're, you know, not near your screen or whatever, like you can always come back to this later, but this is going to be important, an important visual for you to see, um, you know, the, the differences. So. And I'm going to talk a few things first before we okay. get into the, uh, to the examples, but the basic tenets of a right to know request, you need to have three things, three things, excuse me. And this is a balancing act. I'm not only talking about the Office of Open Records adjudicating your appeal, if you do go and appeal it. This is also through case law that's been ran through the Commonwealth Court and up to the PA Supreme Court. So a lot of what we're about to talk about now is not only, again, the quasi-judicial Office of Open Records, but this is also rooted in law. Because a lot of the comments and, and the quotations in some of the readings that I have here are from Commonwealth Court judges. Okay. So it's important to know that. Yes. Um, so anywho, so the basic tenets, the subject matter of the request must identify the transaction or activity of the agency for which the record is sought. Um, so that is basically the what. So the subject matter of the request must identify the transaction or activity. That to me, it's, you know, I always use the five W's. Mm -hmm. You could really hone this in and clarify it's three W's. It's right. the what, who, and the when. Okay. And I'll I'll give you the terms that they actually use in the Office of Open Records and some of the court opinions on this. But the what is that is the the quote from the Commonwealth Court. The subject matter of the request must identify the transactional activity of the agency for which the record is sought. Um, so the subject matter, what are you looking for? Simple stuff, right? Let's go back to that contract. So I'm looking for contractual language between school district X and what was it? Cleaning Joe's services so, yeah. or something. Joe the cleaner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the content I'm looking for. That that's, that's what it is. So that's my, what, uh, secondly, the scope of the request must identify a discrete group of documents, either type or recipient. Okay. So I already said, I'm looking for contractual documentation. So that would actually be my kind of the, the scope, if you will, or identifying a discrete group. So that that explains that part. So that's what you're looking for. Um, if it's a recipient, if you know, I mean, if you have a smoking gun or you you have proof of a transaction, you're already going to be ahead of the game because you're going to be able to identify that transaction. So if if I know that Jess Stallnecker emailed Jamie Walsh yesterday at 2.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. and I can hone in on that specifically, that's a winning RTK. Right. Because they're going to be very hard pressed to try and deny me when I know, you know, either the recipient or what time it was or all that good stuff. Most times we don't know this information, but it is important to identify the type or the recipient. Okay. So is it e type as well? Let's think also about uh, what was the media that was used? You know, if you know it was text messages, put that in there. If, if you want to kind of have an all encompassing, which is, all communication, you know, not limited to text messages, emails, phone calls, something like that. You can put that in there. Mm -hmm. You'll see that more when I share my screen. That's doable, but it's not going to it's not going to be as obviously as specific or potentially as successful if you're if you're keeping it pretty wide open okay. on what the media is. So and then finally, the time frame of the request should identify a finite period of time for which records are sought. That one's very, very simple. 
that one's something that I always tell people when, when they ask for help is you have to have a period of performance as we call it. Mm -hmm. So when, when do you want this search to start? When do you want the search to end? Because let's, let's say, you know, scenario wise, let's say the school is, is going to do a good faith search and they have to go to their IT department. A lot of these folks, a lot of times they do, they can actually submit in those parameters, what you put in your right to know request. Right. So if, if the content is cleaning supplies or cleaning services and they put in June 1st to June 1st, let's see what they get back. So that gives them that obviously that target window to look into. And is it true that you should keep it to like more of a short period of time? Like if I were to ask for financial records from Crestwood School District, let's just say for 10 mm -hmm. years, that would be something that would just be beyond. Right. Like that would just be something that would never be requested. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked that because that's part of something that I would suggest to people is if you can break this into multiple right to knows, it might be better for you because yeah. it, it doesn't let the school off the hook. And what I mean by that is if I put in there, I want to see all of your contractual documentation from June 1st, 2013 until present. I just gave them a 10 year window. Mm -hmm. And what they're probably going to argue to the OOR and potentially in court is that that is overly burdensome. Yeah. And that is something they, they have used successfully before. Yep. So we got to be really careful about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so those are the three tenants again, what, who, and when, okay. What are you looking for? Who does it need to come from? Or, I mean, if you know the person that you're looking for, or again, who can also be, is it emails, is it text messages, all that good stuff. And a time frame. Okay. Um, there have been cases heard where the subject matter was not specifically listed, and the Commonwealth Court or the OOR still ruled on behalf of the citizen requesting the information. Those are rare, so I definitely do not recommend doing that at all. Okay. Um, but if you want to just know from, you know, last year being a school year until this year, was there any emails that went out to Joe Schmo? You can do that, but again, your chances of success are going to be a little bit less right. if you're not specific about what you're looking for. Okay. Awesome. All right. So once you submit your request to the agency, you want to talk kind of the mechanism on how this works? Yes. This is where it gets goofy. A lot of people don't realize a lot of this stuff. And it's this is where it gets frustrating as well because now you're playing these games. Mm -hmm. So if you submit to an agency... They have five business days to respond to you. Now, keep that in mind. It's five business days, not calendar days. Meaning if you submit it on a Friday before a weekend, you're not going to get it back by the next Tuesday or Wednesday. They're, right. they're going to probably use all five of those next week's days to get you the information. And it's, I want to say, from what I've seen, it has to be, a, it has to be north of 90% of the time. The agency asks for an extension. Yes. All the time. So when we submit ours, we're already kind of under the, the, the premise that it's going to be a 35-day wait period. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because they're going to ask for that 30 days. Mm -hmm. So here's the way they can request. And I would, if you're out there and you're doing a right to know request, stay on them on this stuff too. And if they don't actually state one of these legal requests of, of extension, you need to let them know about it. So the first one is the request for access requires redaction of a record in accordance with section 706. So they're going to say, I need 30 more days because I got to redact something. Mm -hmm. 
The request for access requires the retrieval of a record stored in a remote location. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. We got some classified bunker outside of, you know, Crescent School District. Um, third, a timely response to the request for access cannot be accomplished due to bona fide and special specified staffing limitations. That one is very common. You're yes. going to see that all the time. Yep. It's too burdensome. They don't have the staff for it right yeah, now. We don't have the staff. Forget the ARP money we just got, the, you know, yep. the millions of dollars. Yep. You know, we're going and, and buying companies like Cooth and Rhythm and all this other stuff with money. But we don't have any money, so we can't do that. Okay. Uh, fourth, a legal review is necessary to determine whether the record is a record subject to access under this act. We get those a lot, too. Yeah, and it's it, it's a shame, too, because think about how you can abuse that one. Right. Every request that comes in, you can say, oh, legal review. We need a legal review. Mm -hmm. So, and I'll, I'll get to the the extension thing in a sec. Uh, the requester has not complied with the agency's policies regarding access to records. Okay. Whatever that one is. The requester refuses to pay applicable fees authorized by this act. Okay. That one seems a little bit more re realistic. Mm -hmm. Here's my favorite one. And we're seeing this a lot now. This is a newer one that got added. The extent or nature of the request precludes a response within the required time period. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So was it too much of a request? Was it, what is it? The extent or nature of the request precludes a response within the required time period. That basically is a, a catch-all provision that allows them to get out and get a 30-day extension for no reason whatsoever. Right. It seems like they can just check a box and just, that's it, 30 days. That's it. Yep, 30 days. And, and it's unfortunate. There, there's not a lot of case law out there. I know that we as, a, as an organization, eventually, we have a lot more burning fires right now that we're getting to, but eventually this is something we will challenge. If you're going to request an extension, again, like you heard in the third one, it says due to a bona fide reason, mm -hmm. you should have to prove that reason. You don't get to just say, like a box, staffing limitations, let's move on 30 days. There needs to be a realistic an objective reason that you're asking for an extension. I agree. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're definitely going to go after that in the future. Um, so that's that's the extension request. Um, we will, again, we're going to go after that in the future, but for now, you're, you're going to spin your wheels fighting that, unfortunately. If they ask for 30 days, they're going to get 30 days. Yep. There's, there's not a lot of case rulings out there or, or any really that will force them to comply with the five-day request right and i don't think the legislators down in harrisburg are pushing anything with the new changes they're looking at that are that are going to that's going to change that whatsoever so when you do a right to no request expect 35 days always okay. always expect 35 days so when you uh when you submit it um when it comes to kind of the legal analysis right this is where it gets into the meat potatoes of of really how to understand how to do this and the more you know about the way they adjudicate this the better you're going to be at writing one right but as jess i think you talked at the beginning of the the show here an agency has the burden of proving that the record does not exist so when you that is one part the citizen does get you know a little bit more on which is when you submit something 
the agency has to prove that it doesn't exist. So it's not, the burden's not on you by submitting, the burden is on them. Um, in the absence of any evidence that the agency acted in bad faith or that additional records exist, the averments in the sworn statement should be accepted as true. So let me touch on that one. When you submit a right to know request to, let's say, Wyoming Area School District, if somebody in their administration submits a, a sworn statement saying that, you know, we looked for this, but we can't find it, the OR actually accepts that as true. I don't like that too much either, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, the way it's the way the law is right now, and the way you've seen a lot of these rulings come down, they'll take that as, as face value. They'll, they'll take that as truth. So that's something that, that that's one of the first hurdles you got to understand that may be in your way when it comes to doing an appeal and going through the process. Um, a sworn affidavit or statement made under the penalty of perjury may serve as sufficient evidentiary support. Again, same thing there. The administration has the upper hand is if they submit a statement you know, a sworn statement, the OR usually takes that. Right. Um, an agency shall make a good faith effort to determine if the agency has possession, custody, or control of the record. Another little trickery here. So what they can do if, say, they get an email from some radical, crazy organization saying, school district, we want you to institute this new policy where we don't tell parents about their gender, whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. Well, if the school district claims that they don't have it in their possession, custody, or control because that group might retain the email, per se, right? Or it was a letter exchange back and forth, and now that group has the letter, they actually would get away with that. Okay. via the right to know law because they don't have it in their possession okay more tr more tricks that you got to know um so again when you submit it the more concise you can be the more you can hone down exactly on what it is and the first really impactful technique that i would tell anybody is if it ties to funding or contract language your chances are very 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 much higher if you can tie it to a financial transaction, looking through the hundreds of cases that I look through, there's very rarely a denial on a transaction, like a financial transaction. Okay. So th those ones, if you can tie it to that, again, what do we always say? Follow the money, right? Yep. If you could follow the money and you could find, you know, an, a specific transaction you're looking for, you got good chances of getting that that document. That's so good to know. So let's talk exemptions real quick. Okay. This is, again, extremely frustrating. So there are 30 exemptions, exceptions, excuse me, to right to know law requests. Um, and some of these are extremely annoying. First one, loss of funds, personal security, records that if the close would result in the loss of federal or state funds, also records whose release would be reasonably likely to result in substantial and risk of physical harm to the person, to a person or to his or her personal security. Very broad. I haven't seen that one used too much, but personal security, certain things we're looking for, especially within the school districts, 
you're not going to be able to kind of use that one. I'd right. be hard pressed to see what you would use that personal security for. Exactly. Another very ambiguous one, uh, too, is public safety records that if the, if disclosed would be reasonably likely to jeopardize Homeland Security or public safety or preparedness. Mm -hmm. This one is also a little dangerous because public safety, what are they pushing right now? All the mental health stuff. Right. They is it going to be? Like yeah. Yeah. Sorry, this is a public safety issue. We can't release documents to you. Mm -hmm. you know, get we'll get ahead of that, too. But. Yep. Number three, infrastructure security records that if disclosed, if disclosed would be reasonably likely to endanger the safety or security of a building, public utility, infrastructure, or information storage system. Okay. Luzerne County used this one with me when I asked for the video surveillance of the election discrepancies. That was the exemption they used with me saying that they're going to jeopardize the building where the election equipment was held because of my right to no request. Definitely don't agree with that. No. Uh, number four, computer security records that if disclosed would be reasonably likely to jeopardize computer security. I haven't seen that too much. Here's a here's another dangerous one. Health records, medical, psychological, and related records that contain individually identifiable health information. Hmm. Um, I would agree that not anybody should be able to access any child's health information. Right. I agree with that 100%. The interesting part here that we've seen through some other RTKs is that even a parent cannot request their own child's information through the right to know process. Mm -hmm. They will still be denied. Um, pers personal identification. This one we're going to talk about here in a little bit with one of the examples. And I'll just breeze through the rest of these. I don't want to read them verbatim. Okay. But... Uh, personal identifications like PII. So if you can identify somebody by any of these characteristics, they can they can claim an exemption here. So social security number, driver's license number, personal financial information, home address, cell phone number, personal email address, employee numbers, or other confident confidential personal identification numbers. So basically everything. Like that that's all PII claimed into one. So and it's interesting too, Jess. I mean you know, having been in this world for a while, if, if somebody RTKs a school and says, I want to know my daughter's fifth grade teacher's phone number, I mean, that would be kind of wild to ask that first off. Why not mm -hmm. just go to parent-teacher conferences maybe and have a talk with the teacher? Right. But I, I kind of, with this personal identification, I, I agree yes. for the most part on the premise there. Yes, same. All right, personnel records, collective bargaining, drafts of bills, resolutions, regulations, policies. Drafts are not allowed. They're well, they're an exemption that they can claim. Deliberations, trade secrets, working papers, donations, unpublished academic papers, academic transcripts, criminal investigative records. Number 17 is a real crappy one. It's non-criminal investigative records whatever that means. Right. And they use this, this one all the time. So if, if somebody lodges a complaint and says, let's just say that some, some child, again, let's go with things that we're dealing with right now. Some child goes in the bathroom and a male follows the girl in and she goes to the principal or guidance counselor and says, this just happened. And they, they launch an internal investigation. Well, rest, rest assured, you're not going to see any documents from that. If right. you submit an RTK, 
because they're going to claim this number 17 exemption right away. 911 calls, DNA and RNA, autopsies, minutes. So draft minutes of any public meeting, you will not, they will probably claim an exemption until they're approved at the following meeting. Mm -hmm. So if they're draft minutes, they can claim that exemption. Appraisals and reviews, library and archive users, library and museum donors. So if somebody's donating books, his gifts, you know, whatever, they're going to, they can claim exemption there. Endangered sites and species, contract bids. So the bids, not the contract that's awarded. Right. But if you get bids, they can try and hide that as well. Insurance, social services, and constituents, if you're talking legislators and all that. And then minors, records containing the name, home address, or date of birth of a child who is 17 or younger. Okay. 14-year-olds can consent to COOTH, but... You can't get a, a record until you're 17 or, or right. older. So, mm -hmm. so that's a lot. I mean, th those are a lot of exemptions. Again, there's 30 of them, which is crazy. Yes. So why is that number we talked at the beginning, that 15%? That's why. That, that's why. Yeah. That's why. They, they claim to be, this is open government. The citizens should be able to see what we're doing. And then they throw that at you. So right. rest like, assured. I mean, I'm just thinking even about the bids one. Right. Like, okay. So you award a contract to this, to this company or whatever, but we can't see the other bids that you got. Like, that's important. I feel like as a public taxpayer, especially for something like a school district, like I would want to know where my tax dollars are going. So it stinks that I can't see the bids that the, that the school district received. Um, that's, I don't know. Yeah. So I can, I can definitely see why the, the success rate is so low. Yeah. That's a lot of exemptions. A lot. Now, what's happening is since COVID, I think COVID changed so much, so much with our trajectory on so many different angles, but including the uh, the right to know law, mm -hmm. including the amount of folks that were waking up and starting to submit these requests, right. because they're in the last five years, there's a 48 percent increase in wow. appeals. Wow. So in the last, you know, 2020, 21, 22, specifically, if you looked at the chart and this is all this is all public information on the website. It's skyrocketing like that. I mean, mm -hmm. people are are done just trusting their government, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now they want to see what's really happening. Um, it's important to to your to your this statement you just made about bids. So the Commonwealth Court actually made a determination that I think is really important. They said anytime the right to know law is challenged in court, the exact case information must be like really looked into. So they don't make, I, I guess what I'm saying is they don't make any blanket coverage. So they're not going to say no bids will be accessible. Okay. It's an exemption under the right to no law. You'll never see this across the entire state of PA. They made it very clear that the context and the content of what the challenge in court is needs to be looked into very thoroughly. That's good. Okay. There's not a blanket statement there. So that's good to know. Yep. Thanks, Ben. Um, all right. So are we going to show some examples? Yeah. Yeah. Let all me right. share my screen. Yes. Thanks. And while I'm sharing, I'm going to bring up some craziness, too. Okay. All right. Let me know when you can see that. I can see it. Awesome.
All right, so here is a right to know that was submitted to Hempfield School District, and it was denied, and then it was appealed to the Office of Open Records. So when they do their their final adjudication, they do what's what's called the final determination. Mm -hmm. These are all accessible online. You can go and you can check them out. You can search through, you know, specific titles of things. You can look for specifically a person, an organization. I mean. The, the search parameters are pretty good. So anywho, so Bethany Rogers and USA Today Network uh, submitted a request to Hemfield School District seeking correspondence. Again, remember that that whole, you know, how do we want to see it? What yep. is it? Text, emails, all that. So they said emails, text, or letters. Let me blow this up a little. Between district staff or school board members and representatives of the Pennsylvania Family Institute or the Independence Law Center, including but not limited to, and they, they listed all the names there. Okay. Uh, from February 1st, 2022 to January 25th, 2023. Pretty big time frame there. Um, what's that? Just under a year. Mm -hmm. That's not one that I would probably do with that large of a time frame to it. Um, and just for a little background on this this is a good time to kind of inform the people listening to our, our podcast here. USA Today ins installed a Pennsylvania team and that Pennsylvania team is going around to all different school districts and submitting these right to know law requests. And they're basically going after the independence law center and the Pennsylvania family Institute. Now these two groups are, are conservative. They're, they're rooted in Christian values. Right. And they, of course, converse with schools, just like a lot of other organizations converse with schools. And this USA Today Pennsylvania team has really um, put a target on the back of these two organizations. And they're trying to go to all these schools and pull as much as they can in to say that, that basically what they're trying to do is say that these schools are operating and installing policies because they're being told to by the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Mm -hmm. That's what they're looking for. They're, okay. they're looking for, you know, these groups telling them to do something. So, anywho, um, so the the district argued that the request was insufficiently specific, um, and you're going to see that a whole lot too <laughs> when you go in there. That's why it's so important to get those three things right. Mm -hmm. And as it goes down through here, um. Yeah, agency should rely only on the common meaning of words and phrases when interpreting a right to know law request. They and these are these are really good too. I, I would encourage anybody that reads through these in depth and has the time to really get smart on this game. When they cite other either case law or OOR decisions, definitely go and read those. Yeah. Because you'll see exactly why they're citing those. It's pretty good. Um, but again, it talks here, the OR uses a three-part balancing test employed by the Commonwealth Court and PA Department of Education versus Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That's that three-part thing we talked about, the who, when, and the what. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, as you go through this, again, they did the three-part review. Does not contain a subject matter nor does it provide any search terms. It basically just listed people, yep. which, yeah, I mean, if if you know that they're talking about X, Y, and Z, clearly you want to put X, Y, and Z in there. So that'll help you, you know, kind of define that a little bit more. 
But that is basically the, the crux of why this RTK was denied, was that even though it gave a timeline, which is pretty wide, it gave all the people or the organization that they wanted to know if the school was talking to them. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. It never gave really a subject matter of right. what they were looking for. What they were looking for. So all the way down the bottom, uh, for the foregoing reasons, the appeal was denied. And that was it. Again, that was a not specific enough RTK. Okay. You want to read that in full? It's docket number 20230627. All right. The second one is another news organization that is not good, in my opinion. So this is in the matter of Maddie, Hannah, and the Philadelphia Inquirer against Central Bucks School Districts. Uh, Most folks in our organization know what Central Bucks has been doing over the last year or two. Mm -hmm. They're really standing up to this crazy mob and they're putting their instituting policies that are common sense and they prioritize parents first. And we definitely appreciate what they're doing. Absolutely. So the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, this one's crazy. I wanted to share this not only because of the denial, but also because of what these folks are looking for. So they wanted to see, and I want to see the exact number here. Oh, 68. Okay, right here. Let me blow this up a little bit more. <clears throat> this is this is actually a really, this is a good faith back and forth between, between the requester and the agency. So, so, excuse me. When the request went in, this Philadelphia Inquirer was looking for the full records of 68 book challenge records. The school district actually provided that to the Philadelphia Inquirer, but they redacted the names and the home addresses and everything, as we talked about just a little bit ago, right? That's one of those exemptions. Right. Well, the Philadelphia Inquirer wasn't happy with that. They basically wanted to dox these people. That's what this RTK is all about. Mm -hmm. So they got all the information. They got all the book titles, there might have been notes within those those records that said we're approving it or we're not approving it. And there might be some deliberation that occurred. So to me, that would have been what they were looking for. Right. No, they were looking for the names and addresses of the people that submitted book challenge requests. So if you see porn in your library and you're a mom like Jess Stallnecker, you're going to submit a challenge and be like, nope, not happening with my kids. Well, now these crazy people wanted your name and your address so they could see it. That is crazy. It is crazy, right? This is where this gets abused. Yes. So rightfully so, Central Buck said not happening. Right. Um, and here, let me show you this real quick. So exempt from disclosure under section 708. See how it says the B and then the 17? Mm-hmm. Those 30 exemptions that I brought up before, they're all listed by number. Okay. So if you ever see section 708, and then there's a number next to it. You can go directly and see what what, what exemption that they're looking to do. And it gives you a full That's breakdown. Great to know. So, anywho, um, these people asked for it. The, in my opinion, the school district properly responded to this request. They cited the exact language as to why they should not release people's um, home addresses and all that good stuff. So the final determination there was denied. Because again, they they used the proper exemption for this one. Right. 
but I wanted to show this because of how nutty some of these these news agencies are are out there. Yeah. I mean, that is literally bastardizing the system to try. Well, and, and that's what I think, you know, we think of it as like just everyday citizens who are requesting public information and public records for the good of the order kind of thing. And then these people are out to find names and addresses of people because mm -hmm. they do something that they maybe don't agree with, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I never really thought of abusing the system in that way. Yeah. So, and I, it's important for people to know that. So if you see a news agency has an RTK out there, read it. Definitely read it because what they're up to right now is, is absolutely no good. And, and trust me, we'll keep our eyes on it too. So we've got about five more minutes, Ben. What do we have here? Ooh, this All is- All right, finally. Okay. This was one that I submitted back um, November 3rd of 2021. This is a pretty old one. Mm -hmm. This also kind of shows evolution, like evolution-wise where, where we've come from. Right. Uh, but even this one here, what I wrote, and this is before I learned a whole lot about the right to know process. This is one of my first ones, and I was just trying to write it as best as I can. So communication records consisting of emails, meeting minutes, or written correspondence. So I identified the what between school directors, which led to the, to the determination of Pitts area grades nine and below being subject to mandatory masking requirements for school year 2021-2022. These communications may include, but are not limited to, any meeting notes described by the board during the 24 August 2021 meeting in which it was described during public input by the uh, president of the school board, quote, they did not make that decision hastily and within the last two weeks. So I used that quote and I said, okay, so then there has to be some record out there of how you made this decision. Right. I'm explicitly requesting any emails from 1 August 2020 or 20 to 24 August 2021. So I gave a very short time frame. And I even referenced a comment that was made during a board meeting that was in the meeting minutes. So I tried to tie those two together. Um, I'm further explicitly requesting any written correspondence from 1 June to 24 August 2021 from Pitson Area School Board officials to any medical entity or individual pertaining to the COVID-19 school reopening plan. Now, important part here, even though I didn't describe the, the specific entity or individual on there, if you give, again, a short time frame mm -hmm. and they can, they can use search parameters, this is still a winning RTK. Right. If you gave them a five-year thing and you gave them really no person to look into, that's going to be a loss all day. So anyhow, anyhow, I won't go through it for sake of time. And this docket number is 2021-2811 if you want to read it in full. Um, district tried to come back with exemptions and this and that and all this other craziness, but the appeal was granted uh, because I think I was – what definitely wasn't my best RTK by any means, but I was specific enough yep. to get the OR to say you should provide him what he's asking for. Yeah. So, so I know that was a lot. I I'll think stop that's sharing really, now. I, I think that that's really important. I mean, to, to just show even how important it was to give that specific short time frame. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you're giving whatever entity you're asking, you know, the information from like the, the school district, that specific um, information, there's really no reason why they should not be able to produce that. So I think that's such a good tip um, yep. in terms of specificity. 
You know, the time frame should be short. It should be specific, maybe a person, maybe exactly the type of language or, you know, that medical entity that you were asking for there was so good. Um, yeah, and, and don't get don't get caught up on on domains too much. Some people like to use the at, you know, psea.org or something like that. Right. Try not to get caught up on that because I did that once and I did it for a one year time frame and it actually came back with they said there was literally over one million results. You'd be surprised with how much school districts are talking to outside agencies. Yeah. So if you're if you're thinking they're only talking a little bit and I'm going to hone it down to that group because they can't be talking to them that much, they may be talking to them that much. You might be surprised. Right. That was definitely really informative. I feel like I already know more about how to file a right to know if I ever have to. Um, fortunately, I have you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and and you just said that that wasn't your best RTK by any means, but it was still granted and it was specific enough to get you what you were looking for. So that is awesome. And I really appreciate you sharing all that stuff. Cause I do think that this is almost like it's a lesson. Like people can sit down and really, really listen to this and watch it and, and pay attention. So, um, anything else you want to share before we close it out? Yeah. Like I, like I tell folks in our, our committee as well, this is a playbook every single time the office open records adjudicates an appeal, you you're getting more information and more knowledge from reading that. Yep. And you're, you're just continue to put that in your brain because this is a playbook. We're learning the playbook of the other side. We're learning the playbook of these people that are trying to bastardize the system. And, so, we're, and we're succeeding at learning because we're getting better and we're getting more and more right to know is granted. So, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say, you know, if anybody here is really kind of, you know, hesitant to submit an RTK, but they they think they have something, they think they have, not necessarily has to be a smoking gun, but something very important that is going to help us as parents in the Commonwealth, um, mm -hmm. email us, reach right. out. I'd be more than happy to help anybody write uh, writes in a request if need be. Awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to go and uh, wrap up the work day and then jump in the pool because it's 95 out there. Um, but please check us out on our website at citizensadvisorypa.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter, Citizens Advisory of PA. And don't forget that if you're enjoying these podcasts to like, subscribe, and share them with people who might find this information valuable as well. So with that, we're going to sign off. Happy Friday. Thanks a lot, Ben. That was super Thank important. You. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone.